Blog Talk Radio.
The world could implode into a depression that will last for the remainder of the decade. 8.19 a.m. Chinese officials announced that they can no longer allow Washington to devalue their holdings. After making their concerns private, China accepts that Washington will never stop paying its debts with inflated currency. China makes an official statement from Beijing, quote, We have made our concerns known privately for some time. With QE4 about to be announced today, China will have no choice but to stop purchasing U.S. treasuries. We have allowed Washington to try to work through their imbalances for four years. But with global inflation and U.S. consumers rapidly shrinking as a percentage of global GDP, we feel that a Western recovery is unlikely until they reform their entitlement programs. 8.45 a.m. New York Stock Exchange. Upon hearing the statement from China, Dow futures have a sharp reversal and begin to drop. Gold leaked past $3,000 per ounce, up $150 per ounce in the last 26 minutes. CNBC awaits a statement from the White House. 8.50 a.m. Washington, D.C. The president makes an official statement to calm investors' fears. He tells Americans that he has spoken with several G20 leaders. They have assured him that they will continue to increase their purchase of treasuries and believe that a strong U.S. economy is the only thing that will bring back global prosperity. He has also spoken to Chairman Bernanke, who assures him that a strong dollar will be the result of QE4. The president also reminds Americans that his recent New Deal recovery programs that he passed through executive order will increase the likelihood of a lasting recovery. He also notes that Beijing, since 2009, has slowly been reducing their holdings, so the impact will be minimal. 9.51 a.m. New York. Dow futures fall 850 points in the first 20 minutes of trading. Markets are halted for one hour by the authorities. 10 a.m. Main Street, America. The news about the stock market in China has now spread. A panic begins to sit in and unprepared Americans rush to the grocery store. In an attempt to purchase food and water, Americans that didn't know what was going on are alerted by all of the news stories and panic buying. Within 50 minutes, there is a nationwide rush to the stores. Empty store shelves in America become a reality. 10.52 a.m. New York. Markets reopen and the Dow Jones resumes its collapse. Investors around the world join the sell-off in bonds and stocks and begin to purchase commodities. Unlike the panic of 2008, this time commodities are seen as the only safe haven from the dollar crisis. 11.30 a.m. New York. The Dow falls 1,700 points since reopening. Trading is halted for at least two hours. The Federal Reserve injects $200 billion into the markets and announces that QE4 will be delayed until further notice. Congress has called back to D.C. for an emergency joint session. Members of Congress are saying that they consider China's statement a financial attack. 12 p.m. Main Street, America. Several cities begin to see civil unrest after grocery stores are forced to close. Traffic in the streets and violence break out. The president puts the National Guard on alert for a possible deployment onto U.S. streets if things don't get under control soon. Several news agencies are reporting injuries at grocery chains and call for the authorities to do something before it gets worse. 12.15 p.m. Toronto, Canada. George Soros tells CNBC that a run on treasuries is imminent and that there is nothing the government can do to stop it. He says it is unfortunate that a controlled decline of the dollar was not coordinated better over the years. Today really could have been avoided if not for the Tea Party politicians who demanded fiscal responsibility and a constitutional government. 3 p.m. Gold closes at 11.53 for the day at $4,053 per ounce. 
silver closes at $173 per ounce. The president announces that due to civil unrest in some areas of the country, U.S. stock markets will remain closed for the rest of the day. With the exception of mining and other inflation-related stocks, the majority of U.S. stocks are down significantly due to the sell-off and flight to safety in commodities. The Federal Reserve announces that it will begin to purchase U.S. Treasuries and stocks in order to stabilize the market. But this only feeds investors' fears of a full-blown Treasury run and collapse of the dollar. 6 p.m. Asia. Asian markets begin a massive sell-off. Dollar collapse rumors begin to take hold of the market. CNBC Asia looks into a possible comic default and complete breakdown in the U.S. economy. Gold spikes in Asia. Up 17.50 in the first complete hour of trading. Gold is now at 58.03. 7 p.m. Gold and silver bullion dealers across the world have suspended all sales due to no inventory. A comic default is now expected. Several central bank representatives propose a freeze on currency markets and a fixed devaluation of the U.S dollar in order to calm investors. 7.30 p.m. the United States. The sun sets on America. In the last 12 hours the world has changed. Americans are glued to their televisions taking a crash course on a debauched currency. Smoke from fires in the cities put a dark cloud over the nation. 7.45 the Federal Reserve. The Federal Reserve announces it will inject 1.5 trillion dollars into the market in order to stop any further decline in stocks. 7.55 p.m. OPEC. The final nail in the coffin. OPEC nations halt oil trades in U.S. dollars until further notice. They will only accept euros, renminbi, or gold. 7.59 p.m. The Federal Reserve's announcement to inject $1.5 trillion into the markets causes a sharp reversal in overseas markets. Stocks begin to rally even as Main Street melts down. 8 p.m. Manhattan. Gerard Adams. President of the National Inflation Association sends out an urgent email alert. In it, he informs members that it is with great sadness that the time to warn and prepare Americans for hyperinflation has ended. Educate yourselves before time runs out. You're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Think it couldn't happen? Do you think it it couldn't happen here in the United States of America, the richest, most powerful country on earth? Today's date, September 12, 2012. United States of America, planet Earth, third planet from the sun. Listen up. America is a very young country. We're babies. We're toddlers compared to most, most civilizations. In fact, aside from those countries that split off and sort of gathered new names, but were here centuries ago, nevertheless, America is a very young country. Do you think that we're not still fragile like a like a newborn baby or let's say a a 3-year-old or a 5-year-old because in terms of the countries and civilizations around this globe we're just the babies but you got to love the baby right we're just, but we're just the babies 
we, we we're part of a very fragile experiment. So, is it not possible that this could all end within the next ten to twelve years? That this can all end? That we were just a a bright shining light that flickered out and became something less, something else. Perhaps instead of that bright flickering, flickering light, we've become just a dying ember of a nation. Some have said that this is what Obama wants to provide the means for America's comeuppance. Mr. D'Souza, who wrote the book and then produced the movie 2016, Obama's America, believes strongly that Obama has somehow, no, that it was somehow engineered from behind the scenes. Now, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, but I tend to go with this particular one that Barack Obama was groomed by those unknown to assume the position of President of the United States so that he may usher in a new era in America. One that doesn't look anything like what we are used to and what we hope for. And what we desire. Now, an article written uh, today, or rather published today, in the American Thinker, titled, How the Financial Collapse Would Happen in an Obama Second Term. I urge you to check it out. It goes on to read, the stakes are coming, in this coming election could not be higher. While crystal ball gazing always is hazardous, the trail America's economy would follow should President Obama's re-election efforts succeed has already been blazed. Moody's has threatened to downgrade the United States of America, and they're very serious about it. For the first time in our nation's history, We've been threatened with a downgrade. No, no, no. I'm sorry. For the second time in our nation's history, both under Obama's watch, we've been threatened with a downgrade. Obama hasn't met with his national security team. He hasn't received security briefings. I don't even know if he's hanging out in the White House anymore. The guy is obviously not doing his job. But is it all by design? Some have said that Obama is incompetent, that he's just a buffoon. I myself have stated that he is the ultimate affirmative action hire, which means he's just a dumbass who got the job because he's black. But is there something more? There's something deeper going on here. Could it be that Obama is ignoring his duties as commander-in-chief first and then his responsibilities as president? He hasn't submitted a, a budget that makes any sense in the last three years. 
He's, and what budgets he has proposed were so outrageous, not a single Democrat voted for it. Not one. Not one. Not one. How the hell does that happen? So there's reason to suspect that the President of the United States is in his own way, fundamentally transforming the United States of America by simply not doing his job. You know, it is possible to bring America to its knees by simply not doing your job. So, when folks like Rush Limbaugh and others say they would like to see Obama fail... It's a double-edged sword because he's failing, but when he fails, America fails, at least in this regard. Wouldn't you agree? The call-in number is 347-884-8500. The discussion has centered around what the future will bring. And it can be confusing and arcane. The Democrats rely on an emotional argument tied into the cult of personality surrounding Barack Obama, essentially stating that because their motives are pure and have and have historically been for the little guy, the middle class, they should be trusted when they say that their plans will be best for the long run. The Republicans and conservatives, on the other hand, too often rely on cold, hard facts and figures, while oftentimes succeed only in making them appear impersonal and pedantic, spouting numbers which cause the eyes of the average voter to glaze over with confusion and boredom, further playing into the hands of the Obama cabal, is the sense among far too many Americans that the worst could never happen here. The worst could never happen here. And here's where here's where we get into a sticking point, folks. Because it's hard pressed. We're all I'm sure we're all hard pressed to believe that somehow our time has come and gone in such a very short period of time, and Holder Awakens, who has a great show, by the way, on Blog Talk Radio, uh, asked the question in the chat room. Doc Jones, wasn't that his plan? To submit a budget so far out there that it wouldn't get any support? Indeed. Indeed. How the hell? Let me just, let, let's just ask the question right out here and right now. How the hell do you submit a budget that's so out there where the buses don't run and not get a single vote not even from the 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 most the 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 the, the most conniving evil democrat in the house or the senate not one i don't think his own mama would vote for that budget and i haven't seen it but hell it must be awful so think about this. 
not one budget sub- submitted in the three years he's been in office. He spent most of his time campaigning, playing golf, or just screwing off somewhere, vacationing every chance he got, bowing and scraping to every petty dictator, potentate, king, giving a back, his wife giving a backslap to the queen, and even my dog knows you don't touch the queen, and pretty much hanging out on The Tonight Show, uh, Jimmy Fallon, oh, golfing, playing basketball. I'll tell you what. Let me just go there, right here and now. You black folks out there who are listening to this show, if I were you, and I'm glad I'm not, by the way, if I were you, I'd be embarrassed. Because the guy whose ass you're kissing every single day, Barack Hussein Obama, is just a lazy-ass bum who doesn't do his job. He farms out his health care policy to Congress. He just pretty much is lazy. And where have we heard this before? When he was a so-called constitutional professor over at the University of Chicago, when really he was just a, 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 a junior lecturer and then received the title of senior lecturer, certainly not the title of professor, which comes after that. Those who worked with him and whom he worked for at the University of Chicago, they had one consensus. No, two. That he was disengaged, those are their exact words, and lazy. Yes, his bosses and co-workers labeled him disengaged and lazy. Now, where have we heard that before? Have we heard that recently? The guy loves being president. His ego is tremendous, but he doesn't like actually doing the job. And of course, I'm not saying anything new here because you've heard it all before. So, is financial collapse the goal? And you've heard the clip. Do you think it can happen here? I sure do. I think it can happen, and I think it will. And somehow, I don't even think that Mitt Romney is going to be able to stop it. If Barack Obama gets another term in office, and I I hate to be melodramatic here, I think that the, the great, bright, shining light that is America will flicker and die. That's just the way I feel about it. And you know what? I feel this way because I'm outside the box. I am a student of history, as you should all be. So, as a student of history, I look back, I take the time, every so often, to read about ancient Greece, the Roman Empire, the British Empire, and others, and how they came to power. And how they lost it. Decadence. Greed. All manner of depredation. Homosexuality, of course. Just plain old lack of values and standards. And then, yeah, the kicker, they went broke. 
So don't we see that happening here in the United States of America? All people say, well, you know, let live and let live. You know? <laughs> yeah. And an article in the Marine Times I read earlier today, the caption read at the top in big bold letters, if Romney wins, what does it mean for the military? That means that a whole bunch of military folks get to keep their jobs and their rank. So just as an, as an aside from what we're talking about here, how much more inclined are military people to vote for, Oba for, for Romney than for Obama? Just think about that for a moment. Now, in the meantime, we're going to take a short break, and then we'll come right back. Oh, yeah, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. Out of respect, they gave him the Nobel Peace Prize without him doing anything, and he took it. He changed health care for millions of Americans, even though they liked what they had. He says he will tell Iran to quit making nukes, and they will stop, because he is just that good. To him, the Supreme Court is nothing but an unelected group of people. You want precedent? He is the president. He picked Joe Biden to be his vice president just to show that he doesn't really need one. He wants us to believe no one else in America would have made the Bin Laden call. He is the most arrogant man in the world. I ultimately get what I want. Stay ignorant, my friends. What's crack a lacking, my peoples? What's crack a lacking, my peeps? Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of You Guessed It, You Got It. And that's how we do it, live and direct with G-Ski Rocks and the Captain. What's crack-a-lackin'? What's crack-a-lackin'? I'll tell you what's crack-a-lackin'. G-Ski, what's the crack-a-lackin', baby? What's crackin'? Well, as crackin', man, as everybody else, but everybody seems to love your style, brother. What's crackin'? G-Ski, you are the man. You are the man, dude. I tell you what, I love this topic. I love it. I wish I thought of it myself. I'm jealous. I got envy. I got envy right now. What's crack a lackin', Dana? My brother from another mother. How are we, sir? <laughs> What's crackin', sister? What's crackin', skate? What's crack a lackin'? What do you got to say, ma'am? I just got to say, awesome show. Just totally awesome. That's right, folks. We keep it crack a lackin', and we do it for love of country. So make sure that you listen to live and direct with Beastie Rocks and the Captain every Monday and Wednesday evening at 9 p.m. Eastern Time and Saturdays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. www.20-20radio.com. Always crack a lackin', and it's always served with bacon and gravy, baby. Bacon and gravy. Thank you. 
and a commitment to something greater than themselves. They have always defended this mission and each other. Welcome back to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report with me, your host, Dr. C. Robert Jones. Hey, check this out. Today's topic was born out of some information that I received from a confidential source from Kinder Morgan and from folks over at New River, Maryland, and marine bases across the country. Kinder Morgan is pumping 50,000 barrels a day and sending it out to the United States, uh, well, the U.S. military, Navy, Marine Corps. 50,000 barrels. Now, what's the significance of that, you ask? Well, normally... I'm told by my source that the company pumps out anywhere from five to 10,000 barrels a day. But for the last two months, they've been shipping out 50,000 barrels a day. What are they doing with all that gasoline? It's called JP-8, by the way, Jet Propulsion 8. Hey, whatever, what they're doing with it, what they're going to do with it is anybody's guess. One more thing, as you probably already know, gun sales, ammunition, it's flying off the shelves in anticipation of Obama being reelected. Now, some have said that it's because if Obama is reelected, that he will enact new gun laws and so on and so forth. Well, you can believe that if you like. Number three, I happen to own a business and be involved with a group of business owners who have the same bit, who operate the same type of business as me. I supply survival gear. I supply survival food, equipment, water, canned food, everything you can think of to put in your personal bunker so that you can survive what we've been talking about and worse. My business has boomed. Boom. I can't keep stuff in stock. I've talked to other business folks whom I've talked to to try to get some of their wares to over to my place, try to get some of their stock. They're out of stock. <laughs> 
talked to some other guys earlier today. Hey, man, can you help a brother out? You know, I'm 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 just I'm talking five percent over cost here. Ten percent. Twelve. What? What can you do for me? Hey, man, we can't help you. I can't help you because uh, you know I'm I'm in the same situation you are. The stuff has flown off the shelves, and I'm almost out of stock. Jet JP8, fifty thousand barrels a day to the U.S. military. Gun sales off the heezy. Stuff, water, supplies, canned food, dried food, flashlights. Generators flying off the shelves today. I did not have a topic in mind until just about an hour or so before showtime because all this stuff was going down. It was all going down today. So, with that, let's move on. Teacher strike enters day three. Union boss calls progress glacial. They are about to take an ass-kicking, just like the folks in Wisconsin. They're asking for so much jack. They're asking not to be graded on the performance of their students, which all of us were at one time, wherever we worked, we were graded on the on our performance. They don't want to do that. They want a 30-something to 40% raise at a time when Chicago... And most of Illinois is going broke. They're using the kids as a hum as human shields in Chicago, saying that they want to get back to work for the kids. They're doing it for the kids. They're greedy. They make the highest. They have they have the highest salary, the third highest salary in the nation for teachers. They're pulling down massive bucks, but they want more. They want more of what Illinois doesn't have. Does that sound familiar? So, with that in mind, hey, let's listen to some guys from PJ Media. Because they're going to tell you all about it. They're going to tell you about it a whole lot better than I could. So, here we go. By the way, you're listening to the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. The call-in number is 347-884-8500. And hopefully my clip will get started soon <laughs> so I can stop talking because it's taking its sweet time. I'll tell you, <laughs> the glitches that we go through with these radio shows is something else. Hey, oh, but uh, in the meantime, we're going to wait. We're going to wait for the clip and then get it played and then, you know, get on with this uh, with this show. Before we get that done, though, why don't we just calm down? and take another short break and then we'll get back and we'll get our clip going all right here we go got it got it got it got it got it Chicago Teachers Union walks out on 400,000 school children, largely because they don't want 40% of their performance evaluation to rest on student achievement on standardized tests. 
Obama's former hatchet man, Rahm Emanuel, now Chicago's mayor, stands up to the union bosses. Mitt Romney backs the Democrat mayor and says he's disappointed with the unions. Can anyone come out of this a winner? Well, I'm PJTV's Scott Ott, joined now by Stephen Green and professional radio talk show host Tammy Bruce, <laughs> sitting in for Bill Whittle. The Department of Education says 80% of Chicago public school 8th graders are not grade level proficient in reading or math. But the teachers union fights the kind of education reforms pushed by former Chicago schools chief Arne Duncan, who's now Obama's education secretary. Tammy Bruce, public sector unions got stomped last year thanks to their Occupy Madison antics in Wisconsin, and voters strongly backed Governor Scott Walker in the union-driven failed recall effort. Have the public sector unions made another strategic PR blunder in Chicago? You know, I may be alone on this, but I think it very strange with what you've laid out. We've got Arne Duncan, you've got Rahm Emanuel, you've got Barack Obama and the unions that they would suddenly choose September of an election year to have their first strike in 25 years. I'm, I'm waiting for the Chicago Jesus of Barack Obama to kind of float into Chicago and be the savior and solve the problem. So watch for that when there's suddenly an announcement from the White House and they need some genius guy to show up. You'll see Obama, you know, walking across uh, uh, one of the Great Lakes because he does walk on water, you know. And he'll find the solution and all will be solved. Uh, people are collateral damage to the Democrats. And uh, some people's lives are being ruined right now. Kids are being used uh, as pawns. And, uh, you know, I think we should watch out for that at this point. As we record this, by the way, spokesman Jay Carney from the White House said the president's not involved in this local issue. And uh, we'll see how long that lasts. Uh, Stephen Green, Mitt Romney said he's, quote, disappointed with the union for depriving children of a good education. I think he means when they're out on strike, you know, not like on a daily basis. But anyway, should Romney stay out of this local battle or should he use it to bludgeon Obama or or just what should he do, Stephen Green? Well, I, I don't think you should just up and announce something like, well, I think the teachers acted stupidly because we don't want that in a president. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, I think. I think Romney can win Wisconsin right there in Chicago if, if he does take a stand and take a smart one. Look, when somebody turns down a 16% pay raise on, on salaries that are already higher than what their neighbors earn, and oh, and for working only two-thirds as many days in the year, there's only one response. Now, it's, it's a one-word response. Actually, it's a two-word response. One of those words I can't say in a family network. I could tell you what it is with the, the gesture of a single finger. But that is the correct response to somebody in, in a city swimming in debt. I saw that. <laughs> to, to a city swimming in debt that turns down that kind of a pay raise just because they don't want to face the real results of their failed teaching policies. That's right. Well, Tammy, when a Democrat mayor stands up to union bosses, are we witnessing the end of an error? I, I mean, an era? I think we're witnessing Chicago politics. I, you look, Rahm Emanuel and Obama don't have anything happen that doesn't benefit them. They are in complete control of the city of Chicago, and it really is a microcosm of where these kinds of men want the rest of the nation to go. You, you noted uh, the uh, uh, problems when it comes to the, the readings and math scores. Four out of every ten kids in Chicago drop out and don't even graduate. Uh, 57 homicides occurred in August alone in the city of Chicago. 57 in one month. Uh, the city is out of control. 
Rahm Emanuel seems to like it that way. Uh, it is a guaranteed vote for the liberal bloc. And I think that, again, these things are happening and Rahm is doing what he's doing. Now, look, if it, if it looks improbable with liberals, uh, it is. And uh, we need to keep that in mind. Well, like Rahm Emanuel, we never let a crisis go to waste. So when Bill Whittle couldn't show up, we got Tammy Bruce. You can learn more about her at yeah. TammyBruce.com. Steve, um, few people are more closely associated with Barack Obama than Rahm Emanuel is. And Rahm just became the big lead fundraiser on the Obama Super PAC Priorities Action USA. Is there any way that the president can stay out of this fight? And if he gets in, is there any way he can win? Well, you know, Tammy may be right. This may be a whole setup to get uh, Obama to descend from the heavens and, 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 and magically solve this problem. But look, you know what? The president's jobs council hasn't met in almost a year. There's a story out this week that he's attending maybe half of his national security briefings. <laughs> How's that for the week of the 11th anniversary of the September 11 attacks? Huh? Uh, Bob Woodward. Bob Woodward revealed in his book that's, that's just coming out that Obama sat on the sidelines during the budget crisis last year. He, he didn't lead at all. So if he does want to wriggle out of this, do you, do you have any doubt in your mind that he can manage to wriggle out of this one? But you, you know what? You know what the great thing is about when somebody wriggles? You get to see him squirm. Well, Debbie Pope, an official at the American Federation of Teachers, says poverty is the problem in places like Chicago, not teachers. Reuters quotes her as saying, quote, the root of the problem is the way capitalism is destroying public schools, end quote. Well, no, Debbie, the root of the problem is that public sector unions have become the driving force for inoculating our children against liberty and indoctrinating them into a system of dependency that rewards politicians and thugs like you at the expense of the children. It's about time we release the good teachers from the bondage of a system that forces them to trade their idealism, ingenuity, and love for 30 pieces of silver and a lifetime promise of job security, supervising the dreary march of America's greatest potential into a dungeon of despair. For Stephen Green, Tammy Bruce, and the entire Trifecta crew here at PJTV.com, I'm Scott Ott. All right, we're back with the C. Robert Jones Situation Report. Let me tell you a little something about the Chicago school system. Many years ago, when yours truly was a student at Edgar Allan Poe Elementary, I sat in a 7th grade classroom. And in sitting in that 7th grade classroom at Edgar Allan Poe, well, it was reading time. The teacher sat at the front of the mobile unit I was located in, and she read a book. In the meantime, we were also tasked with reading to ourselves. What book did you have in front of you to read, Dr. Jones? You you were probably asking. It was a C. Jane Run book. C. Jane Run. Run, run, run. C. Spot. Get the ball. Run, run, run. Oh, yeah, that's a book I was reading in a seventh grade class. 
the Chicago public school system. Except, I wasn't going to sit there and read that crap. I was bored. So I sat there goofing off. The teacher noticed that I was not reading the C. Jane and Spot run book. In a seventh grade class, by the way. So, she called me up to the class with the intention of humiliating me in front of my fellow students. And she said, Mr. Jones, if you're not going to take the time to read, when you know that you need these lessons, then perhaps you can read what I have here. You can read the book I have. So stand up here in front of the class and read this book. She just knew that I couldn't read that book or didn't understand the words. So I took the book and I started reading and reading and reading and reading and reading. As it turns out, I could read in the 7th grade at an 11th or 12th grade level. But that didn't matter. Because I was sitting in a class in the city of Chicago reading C. Jane Run. A couple of days later, I was asked to collect my things. Where am I going? Going to see the principal. I said, "Uh uh-oh, not again. So I packed my things. I went to see the principal. But as I was leaving, the mobile unit. Edgar Allan Poe Elementary, which is still there. The teacher said to me, Mr. Jones, I hope you're happy. I think that you're never going to amount to anything. Those were the words that she left me with. As I walked out the door and down the steps and into the main building. That's what a Chicago teacher said to me, and I'll never forget it. As it turns out, an investigation was conducted as a result of my being able to read the book the teacher was reading while sitting in a classroom full of children reading C-Spot Run. It was determined that I should be moved up to the 8th grade class just three months before graduation. I was lucky. I goofed off and wound up in an 8th grade class graduating ahead of time. But remember what the teacher said to me? I think you'll never amount to anything, Mr. Jones. And why was I sitting in the classroom reading a 3rd grade level book? This is what Chicago teachers are all about. No, not all. Certainly not all. But back then, there were few real educators. So, do you doubt right here and now that they're any better? They're talking about, well, having to pay for their own supplies, long hours. Yeah, right. Long hours. They work... They get three months out of the year off with pay. In the city of Chicago, at the very least. 
They're making, on average, more than a lot of city workers. Now, one of my guys in the classroom said that, hey, Rob's going to find the bread to pay these folks. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think this unit, th- these guys, these folks are going to crack. If this goes on for more than a week or so, two weeks, they're going to crack. The kids who are out of school, they don't give a damn. They're out of school. They're chilling. This is not the first strike that I've been through as a as a resident of Chicago and a pupil at a Chicago public school. We love it. We don't have to go to school. It's good. But, you know, the parents are concerned because the parents in Chicago need their babysitter. Because that's pretty much what the teachers are and what the schools are. See, the schools are basically, in Chicago, the schools are basically giant daycare centers. Where the parents know where their child is anywhere from 8.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon, sometimes a little bit later. Now, the parent has to leave the house, or if they don't have a job, they've got to sit in a house with a kid. So I'm hearing that the Chicago parents are you know, up in arms, and they're agreeing with the teachers because, frankly, they need their sitters to go back to work so they can send their kids back to school. I find it highly doubtful that most of those parents are incredulous with uh, with the Emmanuel regime because they believe that these teachers need more money when the teachers probably making at least half or twice twice what they're making already. Folks, this is why this country is in deep trouble right now. So let's hope and pray that we have a resurgence, another Wisconsin going on in the city of Chicago, and that Rahm Emanuel does the right thing this time and breaks these strikers. Sending them back to their classroom with with that petty, what is it, 13% raise? And they're looking for like 34, 35? Chicago can't afford to pay these folks. If Chicago caves in and pays these teachers, the next thing you know, the garbage men are going to go on strike. Because they're going to want more bread. Because the city of Chicago operates the garbage trucks there. All right, and what happens then? The Chicago Transit Authority, they're going to want more money. So they're going to strike too. This is how things work in my hometown and the great city of Chicago. It's all about what? How many times have I told you this about my town? It's where's mine and what's in it for me. That's what Chicago's all about. Once again, where's mine and what's in it for me? And of course, my favorite saying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. So this is what we got to work with in Chicago, Illinois. Now, by the way, my main man, G Ski Rocks, has a show coming up. Just after mine, I urge you to go on over there for your what's crack a and, and the bacon and gravy. Yeah, I, I think I should be biscuits and gravy, but he's got the bacon and gravy thing happening. But nevertheless, 
2020 Radio Network, right after me. Be there or be square. I'm headed over there. Oh, and oh, oh yeah, GTT 183, Conservative Primetime at 1130. Great show happening over there, as usual. Bacon, gravy, and biscuits. But he's got bacon and gravy. I mean, how do you sop up the gravy with a with a with a stick of bacon? I mean, a, a you get like a rasher of bacon and just kind of let it roll around in the gravy. How do you do that? He said biscuits were a given. Oh. Oh. Okay. Biscuits were a given. Now my well, still my mouth is watering. I want some biscuits and gravy and some bacon. Right right now, don't you? <laughs> All right. Folks, yesterday's shows, the nine eleven tributes were excellent. We had a great time. We had a great turnout. And you know what? Almost every show that were in our group yesterday is in the top one or two pages on Blog Talk Radio, with the exception of maybe one. That was phenomenal. To look at the conservative pages and see the majority of those shows on page one and two was very gratifying to me. Great job, folks. Great job, and a great shout-out to my main man, uh, uh, David Graham, who produced that awesome promo. He is the Mac of all daddies, and especially in that respect. So once again, folks, thank you guys so much. Hey, Bob USMC is in the house. Yeah, chilling. All right, good night, folks. God bless you, and God bless the United States of America. We are out of here, and we're headed over to G-Ski Rocks. See what he's got going on. Oh boy. <laughs> good oh, oh oh good night folks. We're out of here.
of the rainbow. 